All right. Well, good morning. Welcome to the firehouse. Uh, I'll try that again. I'll say good morning. You guys can say good morning back to me. Good morning. Hey, much better. Thanks for joining us this morning here. Uh, yeah, most of you might know, but today is May 1st, right? Because though we are already started the month of May here, it's kind of wild and crazy, but uh, that's time flies when you're having fun, right? Um, I'm going to go ahead and pray here, and then I've got a, a video that we're going to watch to start things off to kind of set the stage for uh, just me getting to share my story with you, some of the things that God has done in my life that I just want to give Him the, the credit and the glory for. But uh, if you guys will, let's just bow our heads and we'll pray uh, as we continue here. Well, Lord Jesus, I just thank you for this morning. I just thank you that we can come together and, and worship you here. I just thank you that, that you are the God who has made a way to rescue every one of us. Lord, we thank you that it was not an accident, but it was a, a deliberate overflow of your love for us. And God, I just pray that each one of us would um, just connect with your love and your forgiveness and everything that, um, Jesus, that you did on the cross to rescue us. God, I pray that we'd yield control of our lives to you as Lord, that you might transform us. And God, we just ask that you would use this time. Lord, I pray that you would really uh, just uh, put me on a stand to testify about what you have done in my life, Lord. God, what you can do in anyone's life. And I just pray for your glory here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's watch and enjoy this.
you guys, but I, uh, that, that song is a special song to me. I feel like in a lot of ways it summarizes my life story, you know, and every time I watch that video I cheer up, you know, so uh, several times this week sitting in the office alone crying to this song, you know, <laughs> so I think it's about four times I've had emotions in my life now, so um, no, just joking, just joking. Um, you know, uh, really I'm just going to kind of talk through a timeline of my life and share some milestones along the way here. And uh, just kind of, we also take a break in the middle of this where we'll, we'll look at a little, some of the milestones of us as a church. I had a, a slideshow of places we've been and kind of our broken road, if you will, of how we got here. Um, not been that broken, actually. But uh, let me see here. We got, uh, where's the first, uh, here we go. So, uh, you know, I like the first line of that song. I, I set out on a narrow, narrow road many years ago. For me, that narrow road began about 40 years ago. This month I will celebrate my 40th birthday on May 29th here, but I started out on the narrow road back in 1971. Um, and I don't know about you guys, uh, but I was born at a very young age um, and uh, got started. Yeah, I, I hope you all were as well. Um, anyways, uh, May 29th, 1971. Um, you know, I was uh, born officially in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Got a couple Albuquerqueites here, so... Uh, but I was born there, but uh, my parents were going to school in Socorro, New Mexico, and then uh, they moved shortly after that to Truth or Consequences, New Mexico. So basically, for all practical purposes, born and raised in Truth or Consequences, New Mexico. I think it's awesome to, to be a, a preacher from Truth or Consequences. Um, there, uh, But, you know, for those of you that don't believe that's the actual city name, look it up at the post office, 87901. You will find it. It's a real place. Um, we even passed through there on a mission trip once down to El Paso, didn't we? We just kept going, right? No, we stopped at the restroom. I think, yeah, I remember that. All the girls had their head coverings on. That was fun. <laughs> I remember that. But uh, anyways, you know, um, uh, we're going to look at a span of 40 years here and going to cover it in hopefully 30 minutes. So we got to keep, keep moving. Um, we'll fast forward to May 1989. Um, you know, again, I was born and raised in Truth or Consequence, a small town there. Uh, in general, I was a good kid and made good grades and usually was on the A honor roll, busy with activities um, throughout You know, high school. I did football, basketball, and track. Uh, was a pole vaulter in track there and uh, even made it to state pole vaulting. You know, that's, it was a small school, though, but didn't go all that high. Went about half the, the height that they go in the Olympics nowadays, you know, so it wasn't that much. But... Um, you know, really, in a lot of ways, May of 1989 had a few milestones for me. Um, one, you know, in, in May, I celebrated my 18th birthday, 1989. Two, I went to the, the high school prom, the senior prom. And three, shortly after all that, I uh, graduated as valedictorian of our graduating class of 1989. And so it was a pretty good month, pretty good year. Um, it Sometimes I cringe when I hear some people were born in 1989 or later. There's a few of you out there. I'm like, oh my goodness, I was done with high school by the time you started.
started on your narrow road there, but um, but that's all right. Um, you know, and uh, really, so that summer I graduated. I was headed to college. I had a full-ride scholarship opportunity to the University of New Mexico for being a valedictorian. Um, also had some scholarship potential to New Mexico State. And, you know, I spent the summer kind of deliberating where I was going to go to school at. Um, but something happened that summer that drastically changed my life. And it, it came in the form of a letter. And I remember a couple weeks into the summer, I received a letter from my prom date. And she, she wrote, uh, I don't remember the exact words, but it was something along the lines, I'm late in, in getting my period. Uh, I think I'm pregnant. I don't know what to do. And it rocked my world. It shocked me. It hit me right in the heart. And I wrote back some, you know, simple response. I don't even remember, but it was along the lines of, well, let's just wait and see. I don't know what to tell you. Um, and, you know, that was, that was all I had to offer then. And then a little, little while longer in the summer, a few weeks later, I got another uh, shocking letter. Um, this one was maybe even more shocking because it didn't come to me. It was a letter written to my father from her mother. And uh, she shared with my dad in this letter that, uh, you know, she said, My daughter is pregnant. We believe your son is responsible. How could you have let this happen? What are you going to do about this? And I remember my dad approached me, and I was trying to keep it to myself. I wanted to keep it a secret. You know, I thought, you know, what they don't know can't hurt them. And so I just tried to keep it to myself. I figured, you know, I'd figure it out. Um, But my dad approached me, and he read me this letter, and I was just shocked. There was nothing I could do. The word had gotten out, you know. And um, from there, you know, we had um, got a lawyer involved to try to figure out, well, what do we do? We, we had some questions about, uh, you know, some of the timing related to, all, to it all. It was not the first time, um, you know, I had had sex with, with a person. It was not the first time she had. There were some questions related to different things. And so we started getting a lawyer involved, which strained the communication between my family and her family. Um, we, we eventually wanted to get uh, some paternity, some DNA type testing done, and, and uh, their family did not want to do that. And so it went from very strain in the communication to, to non-existent. The communication stopped. And that's how I transitioned into college. That was my freshman year of college, you know. Um, I don't know what yours was like, but that was mine. It was a little bit rough. When I got to college, I, I realized I had some new freedoms and things there that uh, I began doing things that I hadn't done before in my life. Um, I started drinking alcohol. I started partying. You know, in, college, in high school, I was a pretty good kid. I stayed away from alcohol pretty much in general. And uh, But college, you know, jumped right into the scene of alcohol and um, not necessarily drugs. I started off with some pretty serious alcohol. Some of you might know the type of alcohol. Uh, it's called wine coolers, right? Uh, started off with wine coolers, but then eventually, you know, New Mexico State, where I decided to go, was about half hour from the border of Mexico and New Mexico and Texas and all that. And uh, so we realized that our school, New Mexico State, was voted that year one of the top party schools in the United States. And and I'd hit the party scene at the right time at the right school. And people would take trips down to Juarez, Mexico, where the drinking age was who knows what. And uh, drinks were really cheap there. And so we'd go down and, you know, the partying went from wine coolers to going to Mexico. And, to, and it just continued. I began doing things. And I didn't date a lot in high school. But I began going, you know, um. I'm here in college. I'm going to start chasing women. Maybe a, I'll find one that'll help take away this this pain and this hurt that I'm feeling from my past, you know. And uh, so I started doing that as well. I started spending a lot of time maybe distracting myself with basketball. I played basketball a lot. Uh, I wish it would have been a major in college because 
I would have gotten you know like a double major in that or something. Um, but uh, but you know as I as I was going through that, you know I realized that I started some patterns, some bad patterns in my life related to alcohol and unhealthy relationships. I had shallow and um, selfish and broken relationships. I started a string of those, and you know that just continued until um, really a miracle happened in 19. 19- 1994, um, the miracle was I graduated college, still in one piece, and, uh, and I thought, you know, I looked at my job uh, offers that I had. I got a computer science degree from New Mexico State. I walked in the graduation in May, but I had to finish a summer class in, into July there, so some of you, hopefully none of you are doing that this, this year. Um, but anyways, I finished it. I actually graduated that class because I'd already accepted my job offer. And I took the, the highest job offer that I had was uh, from Hewlett Packard out here in northern Colorado as a software engineer. And so, you know, in some ways I thought, God's giving me a fresh start. He's getting me away from my past, my, my past patterns and habits and friends, and he's bringing me out to Colorado. I'd only been here a couple times in my life and never had planned on living here, but, but God had a different plan. So he, he brought me out here uh, to work with Hewlett Packard and... I just thought it was great. It's just a, it's a new start, a fresh start, and um, you know. And but eventually, this fresh start, uh, things caught up with me. My patterns came, and they they came with me. They had a delayed plan of getting there, but they got there and showed up again. Problems with drinking, problems with unhealthy relationships, and just trying to keep myself distracted. In some ways, numb from dealing with my past and, and from thinking about, you know, things related to that and any of the shame related to that. And so I just continued to drink. I continued to chase uh, women. You know, I didn't catch too many women, but um, occasionally I, I, I did finally catch one and she became my girlfriend. And, you know, things started getting pretty serious. You know, we had been in a relationship for almost like six months and I thought this could be the one, you know. Um, and back then, six months was a really long time. You know, today, six months is like, I mean, I mean, Six months wouldn't have been a long time back then. Today, that's a really long time, I think. Um, but, but anyways, I thought this could be the one. You know, we, uh, we kind of like each other. We fight like cats and dogs. I, I figured that's what it was supposed to be like. That's what I knew growing up. And, um, but, I, you know, I should have caught on to something because as I was dating her, she decided that she was going to take a, a semester off and go study abroad in Europe. You know, and I, I should have been a sign. I should have known... My, my girlfriend that we're so devoted, she's leaving the country for a while, you know, maybe to get away from me. I don't know. But uh, she went to Budapest, Hungary to study. And I remember while she was there, we'd communicate through email. That Back in the day, you know, they actually called it electronic mail. I don't know if you guys have heard of that before. But uh, we were doing that. And, and I remember one day I was at work and I got this email that was kind of, it was one of those, you know, uh, hit me in the heart sort of emails. It was kind of like a Dear Rich um, just writing to let you know that we can no longer be romantically involved and, you know, yada yada, but we could be friends and things like that. And it, it rocked my world, you know, it like crushed me. I thought if anyone was going to break this relationship off, it was me. I was in control. She liked me more than I liked her. And so when that happened, it just rocked my world and it hit me like a dagger to my heart. And, um, you know, it sent me kind of spiraling and, and to in a way, something like I'd never felt a pain like that before. I think, um, they would have probably, had I gone to the doctor, they probably diagnosed me with some form of depression. And I just had this pain that would not leave me. It was like an emotional pain, but it just seemed like it had physical ramifications. And I was trying to do all that I could to get rid of it. You know, I tried alcohol. I thought if I just drink more, it'll numb the pain. But, you know, 
Then you sober up and the pain's still there and the hangover along with that and not to mention wasted money and that, that didn't help. And uh, eventually I, I started thinking maybe I should, um, you know, go back to my roots, go back to church. Maybe somehow God can heal this, this pain that I was feeling. And, um, you know, so I started doing that. So I started church hopping. I started going to the old traditional church I was brought up in and I went there and I thought, nothing here. You know, it was an old, uh, I won't say that type of church, but I just found nothing there that was going to help me in my life and my pain and my problems. And, and so, but I, I felt like God was working on me. I remember one time um, I was thinking, you know, I just want to, what if I just paid that girl back? She broke my heart. What if I get even with her? What if I took my life? How would that make her feel? Then she'd regret having broken up with me. And, and I, you know, I was, didn't think thoughts like that very often, but I thought for this one time I think about it, I imagine this little funeral. My mom was crying and all this was going on, and it scared the heck out of me. I was like, oh my gosh, what happens when I die? Where would I go? And I started trying to answer that question as well, because I was not sure that I'd go to heaven. I thought I would. I was a good person. You know, I wasn't Adolf Hitler and things like that, and I'd go to church on occasion. But the more I investigated, the more I started realizing, according to the Bible, uh, I probably wasn't going to heaven, that anyone who sins against God has a, a payment, an eternal payment that they owe him, and and I started sensing that more and more. But at the same time, as I was church hopping, I started hearing this message, um, you know, just about uh, uh, this God who loved us and, and even loved me. And, you know, one of the verses that would show up is uh, John 3.16, just that God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believed in Him would not perish, but have eternal life. And, and they just kept... I hear these pastors on the, on the radio and at the churches I went to, and they just kept saying... God loves you. And, and even, you know, I think there was different forms of this verse I heard in Romans 5 eight, but that, that He loved me so much that he, His Son died for me and He's willing, still willing to forgive me. And that resonated with me. And I also heard this verse along the way. It's like all these pastors were downloading the same message or something. It, so I don't think the, the web was available at the time. But, uh, you know, this, this one here is this says, uh, you know, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. And there was this message where they just kept saying, you can know you're going to heaven. And I was just like, really? You can know? I don't think nobody really knows. I remember I was at a church in Texas once down in, uh, boy, it was like Fort Worth, Texas. And uh, someone was preaching the message there and he did this altar call thing. They said, you know, the Bible says you can know that you're going to heaven, that you'll have eternal life. If you look to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and they did a little altar call where people could walk forward. And I was so, like, my heart was, like, walking down the aisle, but I just tried to keep my body still. I remember tapping my buddy next to me. I'm like, can you really know for sure? And he's like, no, nobody really knows, you know. And I was like, you know, I don't have to go forward then. But God kept working on me. And finally, in January 1996, I was at a church service in Fort Collins at Son of You Community Church. It was a crazy little church that was meeting in a, in a hotel ballroom, the Holiday Inn. And I remember John Meyer was sharing a message that day. It was, it was called a watertight faith. And he was just talking about how our faith is kind of like this boat and, um, you know, it's supposed to get us to heaven. And he was sharing the story of Noah and just how the ark saved him and his family and how Jesus was kind of like a type of, of that ark that nowadays Jesus is to save us and can get us to heaven. And there's no holes in, in Jesus. And he asked about, how's your faith? And I just thought, my faith is full of holes. You know, there's giant holes in it. And if, if I was trusting, you know, in my faith that I had and my righteousness and all that, that, that my ship would sink before I got to heaven. But he talked about placing your trust in Christ and you can know for sure. And, and that, that day... Um, 
you know, a church service was January 28th, I believe, um, Sunday, uh, 1996. I went home and I just kind of took the themes from that message and I just cried out to God. I, I lay down on the floor of my apartment there in Fort Collins and just like, God, I'm a sinner. I've been leaning on my own righteousness to get me to heaven. And I, you know, I see that you're not going to buy that, but I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me and I invited him into my life as, as my Lord and Savior that day. And, and things began to change. I remember uh, one of the first things I did after that, later that day, I called my small group leader and I just wanted to tell him you know, about my faith in, in Jesus as my Lord and Savior and that I wanted to get baptized because I knew that baptism was a way you could express that publicly. And so I did and the next time we had a small group, we, uh, a couple days later I got baptized in a hot tub. Uh, out in February there, the temperature outside was zero degrees and the hot tub was nice and warm. Um, but... Which, which reminds me, we're going to try to do some baptisms here. We might even, if, if some of you are interested, do a baptism next Sunday, or no, Wednesday night. We might fill our tub. I know a few of you have shown interest in that already. We might do a set of baptisms right here for those who've come to believe in Christ and haven't got to go public yet. So, um, you know, talk to your small group leaders about that. That's a little infomercial. But, um, <laughs> but we'll keep going. And then I remember another time I went to church and, and they talked about them. The, the message was something called, like, No Secrets was the title of it. And John Meyer again was preaching, and he was just sharing about how when we have secrets in our life, that, um, is that verse up? I can't see it. Maybe this one. Uh, this one, and this one. Do I have a verse? There you go. And he was talking about just how when we have secrets in our lives, we think we can keep them down, but he said it was kind of used this analogy that our secrets are kind of like nuclear waste. You know, we try to keep them hidden, and though we think we're doing good, God knows those secrets. And he has the ability to cause them to ooze up somewhere else. And though we think we're keeping it to ourselves, he can have it show up and we can be found out in our secrets. And, you know, and I knew, even though I had become a Christian and that Christ had died for my sins, I knew I needed to share my secrets with some people. And I sat down with a couple guys from my small group and I just talked them through my story of what had happened. And I was like, you know, I, I, I believe from the Bible that God loves me and he's forgiven me. I just don't know if these other people are on the same page with that. And I shared, and I just remember the love that uh, was expressed to me. I remember sharing with Torgan, who was on my small group, and Steve. And um, I just shared, and and they didn't, like, look at me horrified, and they didn't uh, call the police or anything. They just looked at me with love and and said, you know, I'm glad you shared that. Thanks for getting it off your heart. And and I was just so amazed at God's love that I experienced there. And, you know, I think of this verse here that, you know... um, we can all think about there's just that we have no dark corners in our life you know if you've got a secret that you're hiding God wants you to get it out in the light and and you'll be surprised that that he loves you he's willing to forgive you he can heal you he can fix that situation you know even as he he's done with mine here but I want to make sure that none of you are are doing that it's one of the themes of of my story here is just that you come clean I I know I I had a friend in Fort Collins that was a part of an adulterous affair for 14 years and finally, he didn't come clean. He got found out. And I know someone else who had a secret for many, many years that they kept from their spouse. And years, years later, after it got more and more, you know, the damage was going to be more and more. I think that it finally came out. But I just want to make sure that you know that you're in a place, it's a safe place to share. If you've got hurts or secrets or sins that you want to break free from, get them in the light so that you can radiate and be radiant for Christ here and you know, that's what I did. And after that, um, um, after I shared these things, I realized, you know, God might want me to not only just share these, but to make amends for my past, to try to figure out how can I make it right. 
And I remember a verse, it's Romans 12, 18, and it just talks about um, as much as it is possible with you to live at peace with all people. And I knew there were some people from my past I was not at peace with. I knew I had made a mess and I thought, you know, it's time to go exploring my past. I don't have a fear about facing it because I know that in Christ I'm accepted and loved and my church family loved me, that I could face my past. And I, and I wrote a letter to the, my prom date from, from back then and to her mom. And uh, I had the last known address and I sent it there and I just said, you know, um, I've become a Christian along the way and I just wanted to seek forgiveness from you for my sin, you know, my sexual sin there. And wanted to see what I could do to make it right, what I could and should do. And I wanted to find out for sure if I was really the father of, of her child. And, um, and I sent that and I had it certified by the mail and um, they signed for it. I got a signature back that they had received it, but I never heard from them again. And, and I thought, you know, as much as, as much as I could, I, I tried to pursue that. But, you know, there had been an adoption and things like that and they didn't really want to have someone like me involved. And so I just continued on with my life. And I um, just had the opportunity to start uh, at our church there. Some of you, we began reaching out to the campus there, CSU. And there was a few of us, five to ten of us, just had a heart to see what God would do there when we took the message of, of the love of Christ and the forgiveness. And so we started sharing there. And after the first year, fall of 1996 there, we... Um, we went from five to ten of us to maybe 70 or 80 of us on campus there. And a number of people became Christians. They got saved and they got baptized and lives were changing. And after that first year, the pastors of the church asked me if I'd be willing to, uh, to leave my job at Hewlett Packard to go full time uh, with the church. With the catch that I had to go uh, ask people that I knew for monthly gifts to make up my salary. Because they didn't have the money for me. And so I left my job in 1997 so that I could do that full time. And... God just began doing some cool things. I went on staff uh, a number of years, a few years later. Let's see here. April of 2000, I was recognized as a pastor in that church there, which was, uh, was really a, a desire God had put on my heart at a, uh, early on as a Christian. You know, this verse here that just said, anyone who, who sets his heart on this work of being a pastor, it, he desires a noble task. And God had put that on my heart really early on. And a couple of years later, he brought it about. Another thing that happened in the year 2000 was uh, September 2nd. I married my wonderful wife, Morgan. And so that year we had gotten engaged. And, um, you know, I had kind of been of the opinion I had so many broken relationships on the way that I was just going to give it up to God and be like, God, I've made a mess of this. I'm just giving up this whole thing of who I'm going to marry to you. And this was one of my verses, you know, that delight yourself in the Lord and He'll give you the desires of your heart. And I just focused on my relationship with God and sharing Christ with as many people as I could. And, you know, I said, God, when it's time, I'm going to be focused on doing your work here, but when it's time, knock me upside the head uh, with who you want me to marry. And, and sure enough, this, this young woman from Iowa came out uh, and stopped in Nebraska for a little bit, but she came out to, to Colorado, become part of the church in Fort Collins there, and getting to know her life, um, her character, it was like, God knocked me upside the head and said, this is the one. And I remember uh, later on, and, uh, you know, after I had met her in that year, um, probably the year before, that I invited her on our first date to Perkins. It wasn't really a date. It was kind of just finding out uh, what, what was going on. And uh, we, we were in a smoke-filled room there, smoking section of Perkins, because there's nowhere else to sit. 
And uh, eventually we upgraded to the non-smoking. But I just shared with her. I'd been praying about her. I'd noticed her life and um, asked her if she wanted to begin a relationship to pursue marriage. And, you know, she responded with that response that shocked me. She said, um, I'm, I'm so honored that you shared this. I was like, oh, no, she's honored. Um, that's, uh, that usually doesn't go well for people. You know, that's a nice thing to say. But then she went on to say that she had noticed me as well. She'd been praying about me. And then we ended up getting married here. Took a road trip out to uh, uh, Omaha, Nebraska. Some of you were on that road trip there. That was a, was a good time. But anyways, um, God, you know, in some ways that song, God Bless My Broken Road, I think about that and, and he led me to Christ. Think about that, and he blessed my broken road um, in, uh, in relationships and led me to uh, my wife, and, and that was awesome. Um, you know, we got uh, we had our first child here in 2002. We had Rory Catherine came along, and then in uh, March 23rd, 2004, we had Graham. And that was, you know, I think that was like three days after we took a spring break trip down here to Denver, Colorado from Fort Collins to figure out if God maybe wanted to send a, a team to start a church down here. Um, and we did. We started up. We sent a team down that summer. Some of you were on that reconnaissance team. How many of you were on that? Any of you? A few of you here and there? Yes, there's a few. Um, and here's some pictures. That spring break trip there. There's a guy you might recognize, that Matt Simpson character there. Brad Alver. All right there. Uh, nice and peppy there. Um, but... Uh, some others here. There's, there's my daughter Rory with her cute curly little hair there. And people that were on that spring break trip. And then uh, some of you, we we uh, came down that summer and people got jobs at Elitches, the high-paying salary at Elitches, probably six bucks an hour. Bunch of people. Um, many, everyone pretty much lived here in Sherman Towers, which I don't know if they've condemned that place by now or not. But uh, I know a number of people live there. There's a picture of some of the people from Sherman Towers. Again, you can see. Familiar faces. There's little Graham Jordan. We came down and she was only a couple weeks old. Rory and Morgan back there. I think there's an Andy Simpson and a Matt Simpson. And there's a, I think all, you might see Jeff, Brad, Dave, a whole bunch of people there. Um, then we, uh, after that summer, you know, it was kind of a reconnaissance summer. Like, should we stay in Denver or should we go? Um, you know, we, we just thought, it seemed like God was doing things in downtown Denver. The suburbs have a lot of good churches, but we just thought people who were doing what we wanted to do, um, it wasn't happening in, in the downtown Denver area so much. So Morgan and I moved into this little apartment here. And we moved down that summer and we ended up staying there. And this was the first location of the Firehouse Church right there. And uh, boy, I remember when we moved down, people packed us up in Fort Collins. A couple of people helped us move in. Uh, Tom and Mandy Brown. Uh, though, were they the Browns then? Maybe they were. Alan and Sherry Whip helped us move in. There were like four people on our moving team. It's grown since then, that good old moving team. But... Um, we met there. First time we met for the Firehouse Church, we had not too many. You know, we had probably 18 of us, I think, including a kid or two kids. Yeah. So um, that was our apartment there. There's Christian. Look at that young young pup there. He's still a spring chicken right there. Um, but uh, then we moved down the street to Cactus Marketing. One of the guys we had met had an office space that he said we could meet there on Sundays. And so we met there for a while. Then we moved over to the Metro Apartments where... Jeff and some of the single guys were living over there. Brad, Dave, uh, a number of you guys were there. Uh, we met inside there. There's a picture of, you might recognize, I think this is Reeve Miller right here. Uh, and this is, I think, Rob and Sarah right there and some different folks. That was a fun setup. Then we moved to the Tivoli. Uh, we had that nice 
sixth floor on the Tivoli overlooking the downtown. That was kind of fun. It's a picture of some of the dear uh, sisters here. Morgan, Bree, Amy, Sarah, Elisa. Then we moved from there to the Asbury. Uh, there's a picture of my crew there with the Asbury behind us. That's Justice back when he was that big. And Roar and Graham and um, just getting going there. Then we went over to the Ramada Inn. And we lacked nada at the Ramada. Um, except for clean bathrooms and other things. But uh, it was, you know, we, we were there for a while. Um, then we scooted over to the Regency. Or as my kids say, we went to Megan's house. Um, and then she, she lived there along with some of the others. Um, then after the Regency, we ended up uh, fixing up this place here. And so uh, there's, here's a picture of a map of some of the places we've been. You know, we, this is the eighth stop in seven years. So we went all over. We kind of had the neighborhood surrounded, and we decided to set up shop right there. But we went all over the place here. So I've um, been serving this neighborhood, the Highlands and the Lodo area, for since '04. you know. And that's kind of a little of our journey there. Um, let me see. We went on to have Justice. You saw him along the way there. We have Judah. You probably heard him this morning hollering. Um, but uh, his number hasn't shown up yet, so that's good. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, you know, and then there's this, uh, what do we have here, yeah? We have a, a new chapter that I had wanted to share with you guys. It started really back in, in December here. You know, um, my dad had forwarded a, an email to me just after Thanksgiving, and I responded to that email and, uh, from a young woman, and I thought I'd just read that response to you all here and just kind of update you on the story that, that God's given me here. And, um, you know, this is, this is how this email went here. It was to a young woman named Tisha. And it goes like this. Um, here's what I said. Uh, Dear Tisha, my dad recently forwarded your email to me. Your notes surprised me, but in a good way. I'm sure there's been much miscommunication and misunderstanding over the last 20 years. But I want to assure you that in no way do I think of you as any sort of mortal sin. Um, which was a quote from her email there. Um, I have thought about you and prayed for you much over the past years, though I didn't even fully know your name. Back when all this happened, the communication between your mom and her mom and my family and I became very strained. And I wanted to get a paternity test done to find out my responsibility for sure, but this didn't happen. Instead, all of our communication stopped. Looking back on it now, I see that as a young man I was scared and hoping that I wasn't responsible to become a father at such a young age. When I started college at uh, New Mexico State, I began looking for peace and healing and a purpose for my life. I tried finding this in drinking, in selfish relationships, in studies and in other distractions, but none of these things brought me peace. They all left me, they all left me empty and unfulfilled. Eventually, I graduated and moved to Colorado for my first job. After getting humbled through more challenging times and getting my heart broken in a relationship, God got my attention. A few months before turning 25, I decided to open my life to Jesus Christ and personally place my trust in Him as my Lord and Savior. After that, He began to make me into a new person and started me on a new life. Not too long after that, I wrote a letter to your mom and her mom trying to seek their forgiveness for my sin against them related to having sex with your mom before marriage. Um, I also tried to see about finding out for sure if I was your father and if there was anything I could or should do. The letter that I sent was received and signed for, but I never heard a response back from anyone until now. In recent years through the Internet, I found out that your mom was married to a pastor and lives in Texas. I found a little information about yourself, like your official name. 
saw that you had a Facebook account. I didn't contact you because I knew it was your choice if you wanted to. I've been married now for 10 years and have four beautiful children. I've also been a pastor for 10 years as well. One of the things that I've learned about God from the Bible and from my own life experience is that He loves us so much and He is able to graciously take broken situations caused by our sin and make something beautiful come from them. And though I don't know, I know very little about you, Tisha, I know this is true for you as well. My heart goes out to you when I think of what you must have been through related to all this. I'm sure I can find a picture to send to you. Please let me know if you have any thoughts or questions for me or if there's anything I can do to serve you. Thank you so much for sending your email. I'll be praying for you and hope to hear back from you. With love, Rich Thatcher. We continue to dialogue through emails here. And uh, eventually I just ask, you know, if we're to have a, a, a relationship, I would like to know for sure if this is really the case. You know, again, I didn't know for sure ever that, um, that I was responsible. And I just asked if we could have a, a DNA paternity test done. And, and we did get one done here recently. And, uh, you know, uh, I just want to read you the letter I sent her after I found the results out about that. It's, the subject was called a, a letter to my daughter. It says, well... I'm writing to let you know that I received the test results and they confirmed that I am indeed your dad. Maybe that just confirms what you felt like you already knew, but it helps. But for me, it helps me have a peace and a confident foundation for building our relationship. A few months ago, when we established contact through your email, I began wondering how I would feel if I found out for sure that you were my daughter. One of the strongest emotions that I felt was sorrow that I'd missed out on the first 21 years of your life. Years that I could have spent loving, protecting, providing, and, and getting to know you. One time, after thinking about that for a while and asking God to speak to my heart related to this possibility, I was reading a passage in my Bible from the book of Joel. Through one of the verses I read, I felt like God really spoke to me in this potentially sad situation. The verse was Joel 2.25, and it says, Then I will make up to you for the years that the swarming locust has eaten. In the context of that passage, God was telling His people that even though the plagues of locusts had damaged and destroyed much of their land, that He would restore and make up those lost years to them. In our situation, I feel like God was saying that He will help, uh, he will help restore and make up the valuable time that was damaged or missed out on in our relationship over the past 21 years. I just want to let you know that I'm looking forward to getting to know you and for beginning a relationship with you as my daughter. I hope that over time you'll be able to forgive me for not being there for you as your father. I also hope that you will come to know the love, acceptance, forgiveness, and newness of life that God has for you as your heavenly father. I hope to hear back from you soon. I also look forward to personally meeting you someday soon. With all my love, Rich. You know, I just wanted to, to share that with you all just to update you on what God's been doing in my life. And, um, you know, really, I think uh, one of the things I hope that you all come away with is just that you can, that you can know that God is able to take uh, broken situations and take uh, any sin, any shame, any secrets, anything that you might have, and He's able to turn it around and bring good out of it. And, and I believe that with all my heart, that God is gracious and He's able to take situations even like, even like my broken road and to, to bless it 
and to bring something beautiful out of it and something glorious. And, you know, the church here, um, we just, we have the, the motto that we have there that you'll see, love, rescue, and transform. We want this to be a place of the church where people will, will come to know and experience the love that God has for each one of you, no matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, no matter um, what sort of life you've lived, that, that this could be a place where you'd find God's love. And, and also that you'd come to, to believe in, um, in Jesus Christ and what He did on the cross to rescue you and to rescue each one of us. And we also want this church to be a place where the Holy Spirit is able to take someone who's messed up like me and make a new person and transform each one of us into glory to glory, more like His Son, you know. And, um, and I just share these things with you just to showcase God's love and His grace and what He's done in my life and what He is able to do in anyone's life. And, you know, your, your past might not look like my past. You know, our, our sin takes all different shapes and sizes and sorts. And, um, but, you know, God is able to, to forgive any one of us and He's able to transform us. And um, I just want you to, to make sure that you, each one of you have gotten right with God. You know, we've all sinned. The Bible says we've all sinned against God. Your sin might not look like mine, but we've all sinned against Him. And God says, our, our eternal Creator says He must punish our sin in an eternal sort of way. And Jesus took that punishment for each one of us. And our hope is that each one of you would get right with God on God's terms and give up your own terms, your own goodness, your own self-righteousness, whatever it is that might be holding you back and you get right with God on His terms, believing that Jesus died on the cross for you. And, and our hope is that you'd find forgiveness and freedom, freedom from your sins and from bad habits and from your secrets, that you might find fullness in life instead of a shallow, uh, selfish life, and, and that you might find a future, a confident future of eternal life. And, um, you know, you can start, I don't know where each one of you are today, but, but you know if God's been pursuing you and if He's been trying to get your attention, all you have to do is just, like I did when God got my attention, just admit that I was a sinner and that I did need a Savior. And I, and I just told God through a simple prayer, just probably fumbled over the words, but that I did believe Jesus died for me. And I asked Him to come into my heart as my Lord and Savior. And He took me, you know, one of my favorite verses is 2 Corinthians 5.17, that therefore if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And my hope is that every one of you would turn to Christ, that you'd find that newness of life, that forgiveness, that freedom the fullness and the future that He has for you. And let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just thank You for this morning. I thank You, Lord, for what You've done in my life. God, I thank You that You are so gracious, that You are able to, in Your sovereignty, You're able to take our, our free will and our wrong choices and our broken road and You're able to turn them into something new, something beautiful, something glorious. God, only You can do that. Lord, the devil can mess things up, but only You can take a mess and, and make them glorious. Lord, I thank You for doing that in my life. I just give You all the credit and all the glory. God, I thank You for uh, just the, the trophies of grace that are in this room here, lives that You have changed. Lord, I ask that You would add to that, that there would be more people who would respond to Your love, respond to what You did on the cross, and would allow You to come into their lives to transform them as you did me and, and many of us here. Lord, I pray we'd be a church that transforms this neighborhood with your love and this nation and this world. And that we just ask you would bring that all about for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. Thank you guys for coming this morning. We'll see you Wednesday night. Thanks.